it's it's important that as individuals we realize the 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 power of our collective efforts to to fight you know um and i use that term loosely um to fight back um and to really kind of strive to be fiercely independent and and self-sufficient and and not depend on these superheroes to come save us you know it, it because they're always going to sell you down the river sooner or later you know that's human nature Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. My name is Otto Gomes, and I'm super excited for the guest we have today. Talk about a lion <laughs> in everything that's happening in this reality. He has just gone above and beyond being the voice for people that didn't have a voice or didn't have the strength to have a voice during these last couple of years of this BS pandemic that we've all been in. So, my guest today is Ian Smith, a.k.a. Ian Smith Fitness, a.k.a. Strong Man, co-owner of the now famous Atlas Gym in Belmar, New Jersey, for defying lockdown mandates and being fined by the state almost $1.2 million. Ian is also a men's coach, author of Find Your Hill, and now public speaker, encouraging others to think for themselves and take back the power of their voice. I give you Ian Smith. <laughs> Ian, well, well, thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you so much, brother, for everything that you're doing, everything that you're speaking up for. Um, it's it's really people like you, men like you, that I believe are going to be the ones to take back the control of at least the energy, you know, the energy of the room, kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, man. It, you know, everything that we did um, and everything that I have become as a result of opening the gym, um, none of that would have been possible if people didn't give a shit about what we did originally. You know, if we opened the gym and nobody cared, um, Attila's gym wouldn't wouldn't have made it um, and I wouldn't have had a voice. Um, I would have just been another business owner. And there were a lot uh, who did try to defy and who didn't have the um, the social firepower behind them in order to, to withstand the, uh, the, the boot of government. Yes. No, you, um, in those beginning days, uh, there was very few people that were willing to step up and step out. And, and, um, it was the pressures. It was everything that was happening back then. And a lot of people just went deeper into the fear. Um, so, so tell me, just tell me a little bit, let's go back before we get into that conversation. Let's go back as far as you can, as far as you can remember, what was your, journey up until this point and specifically what was that red pill moment that really shook you out of the matrix and and started becoming aware of everything that's happening around us um well i actually i, I cover some of this in the uh in the book that i just wrote but you know for me the the red pill moment as far as when i started i guess to at least have a healthy skepticism about government uh was 9 11. you know mm -hmm. i um I guess I was in, I was my sophomore year, so I was about 15 years old. And, you know, I remember, um, I remember those times very clearly. I remember 9-11 like it was, you know, yesterday and remember where I was, what class I was in. And 
I also remember just the feeling like that, that unification feeling that we had as, as sort of Americans. But I, um, I started to kind of doubt the message that was unifying us. It was like, somebody hates us. Um, like these people, like these undefined group of people, like these, this shadowy object that you can never really defeat of like terrorism, right? You know, it's like, how do you defeat an enemy that's not like a, a clear cut thing? You know, it's an ideology. You can't, you can't defeat that. Um, and in those early years, kind of after 9-11, I just started to like get very disenfranchised with the way that our government was posturing itself. You know, I was watching uh, a lot of, you know, kids who were just a little bit older than me, you know, go off to war. And um, and then I, I remember being, you know, lied to just like everybody else about weapons of mass destruction. And they were 100% sure that they were in there and then they weren't. And then we were stuck over there. And, you know, so that was, it wasn't like that moment on 9-11, but it was 9-11 and the resulting sort of uh, years afterwards, the, uh, the expansion of wars in the Middle East and, and the um, the rampant sort of uh, abuse from the military industrial complex that that the American taxpayer was uh, was responsible for. And I just I started to question things then. And uh, admittedly, I got very jaded uh, after um, after a couple of years and I would kind of tune out and then I would tune back in and then I would tune out and tune back in kind of um, throughout the years in terms of politics. Like, you know, I, I remember. I was, uh, especially at that time, it was like the neoconservatives who were the enemy, right? That was mm. like, that was the runaway party at the time. And the Democrats seemed to be the more sensible ones. So I remember like when Obama got elected, um, you know, I didn't vote for him. You know, I was, I was a Ron Paul guy, but I remember being like, well, this guy doesn't seem as bad as, you know, the, uh, I forget who was running against him, Mitt, Mer Mitt Romney or whoever it was. Right, right. Um, you know, and I just kind of like tuned out again you know, for a couple of years. And then I started paying attention again, realizing that that wasn't the answer either. And, you know, that neoliberalism is just as uh, harmful as neoconservatism. And that's kind of the two things that we've been ping-ponging back and forth between, you know, for the past couple of decades in America. Um, and if you follow that far enough down the road, you realize that none of these people have done a service, you know, to the American public. You know, our dollar has gotten weaker, uh, our stance in terms of um, our positioning in the world, in manufacturing, in our uh, in our economy, uh, in just the respect that we have among the world is always just kind of declining. Uh, you know, public education in, in America is declining. And it's like, by what standard are we improving, um, mm -hmm. no matter who we're with? Um, and, you know, and then along came the Trump years. And um, I was very surprised when Trump got into office. I actually didn't vote um, after Ron Paul. I didn't really vote for anybody. Um, and I was kind of like pleasantly surprised when he won, um, you know, and I was like, hmm, this, this nationalism feels good. Um, you know, this, uh, this pro America, you know, make America great again message. I can get behind this. Um, mm -hmm. that's kind of where I wound up. Uh, I became a small business owner. I was a, uh, a personal trainer, you know, I had worked at gyms and, um, eventually started my own studio. So I was out, uh, as a self-employed personal trainer and independent coach. And then I bought a Tillis gym and I was just kind of enjoying the world as it was because, hey, business was good. Um, you know, I was distracted by the, uh, the, the, the nice parts of American life. And you know, I, was, I was looking at what Trump was doing and say, hey, this guy's doing a pretty decent job. You know, my pockets have money in them. Uh, I'm not stressed about a whole lot. Uh, we're not starting any new wars. You know, this is pretty decent at least. 
um, and mm-hmm. then along came 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and then poof, somebody yeah. punched you in the face. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, thank you for that. I appreciate all that. Um, and, and, and it seems like you had a, a lot of experience. You know, I, I, I've, I had sort of a similar journey back and forth. Are you, th- how old are you? Are you th- like 36, 37? 36, yep. Okay, I'm 35. So when you said sophomore in high school for 9-11, I was like, yeah. oh, I was a freshman. I remember that. Yeah. So um, you've been through a lot and you've been, you've been through the, the, the back and forth, just like I have of awareness, not awareness. And just like, well, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go back to my nine to five, you know, and, yep. and, and, then you, yeah. and then you get snapped out of it and you go, wait, what's happening? Um, yeah. But in no, then 2020. Yeah. I think that probably goes for, you know, a good, a good portion of Americans. Um, whether, whether they've been in and out of it or they start, they, they tried to pay attention and they just became disenfranchised and kind of go back to like, Hey, well, I'm just going to mind my business. Yeah. So, so 2020, right. 2020 comes around, punches everybody in the face. And how, when did 2020 become personal for you? When did it become real? Um, you know, I remember we, we had just opened Attilus. We were only open for nine months. And uh, we were on like the up and up. And, and when we bought that gym, it was a it was an absolute dumpster fire. It was a failing gym. It was months behind on its rent. And uh, we turned it around pretty quick. You know, we worked hard. We just followed the 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 basic uh, blueprint to be being a successful small business owner. You know, care about your customers. You know, work really hard. Put money back into the business. Um, and kind of you know just just breathe some life into it and and be there every day. And uh, we were, and we were successful overnight. In nine months, we had like doubled our foot traffic. We were really kind of rocking and rolling, um, putting a ton of money back into the business. We hadn't even paid ourselves yet, you know, because we were, I still had my personal training and my uh, my partner uh, had a nutrition store. So we were kind of just, just going. Um, and then we started to hear all the whispers, uh, you know, of the, of the, the, the bat flu soup um, or bat soup flu, excuse me. Um, and, and it was kind of like one of those things where like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, okay. And then I remember, you know, it kind of just like, you know, just like everybody remembers, it kind of ratcheted up. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they, they had mentioned it once or twice. And then next thing you know, it was like on the news all day. And then we had our first case, our first case in California. And, and then all the whispers started coming like, oh, well, you know, they're going to do a lockdown and they're going to declare martial law. And there's just like period of time in, in early March, you know, where nobody knew what was happening, but the media had, had already gone into a full-blown, you know, hysterical rage. Um, you know, the death counter was up in the corner in the, uh, you know, in the, in the window or in the screen that they were on. And I just remember thinking like, man, fuck this. Like, this is, this doesn't fucking feel right. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I remember thinking like, what, are, is this like the start to a movie? Like, you know, this is <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like it's the start is, to every, every, uh, um, thriller movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like life's all good. And like, but like you hear like the somber music in the background. Um, and then I just remember like it, it started to get more real. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they were, they were playing pictures of, or videos of people dying in the streets and I didn't really buy it, but I didn't like know what to think about it either. You know what I mean? Because I've always, I've always just remained a, a healthy skeptic when it comes to like mainstream anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, oh well, you know, we hear an executive order is coming this week, and then you know, and then it came out, and it was like, you know, all New Jersey businesses that are deemed non-essential or 
going to close. And I just remember thinking, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this mm-hmm. is not this is not the way. Like, this isn't the answer. Like, like everybody in here is healthy. You know what I mean? Like, I've 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 worked in the fitness industry for you know for ten plus years. This doesn't make any sense. Like, what? Like, if people are getting sick, and and you know, why are we why are we shutting down places like like gyms? Doesn't make any sense. You know, like this is a place that people come to to get healthy. Whether you're to living. get healthy, yeah, it's like it's the complete opposite. Whether you're doing whatever, like there is a correlation a very clear correlation between people who take care of themselves and, and exercise and eat right. And, and getting sick, I'm like this doesn't make any sense, but you know, we didn't know enough to confidently stay open. We, by no means did we want to close. We were, it was like a worst nightmare for us. Like, what do you mean? We're going to close. Like we're, we're just, we're making money. Like we made this thing work. Um, we don't have any money to like float, you know, like we're, we we do not no. Yeah, within the first year of a brand new business too. I mean, that's, that's like, yeah, and it it was just, it didn't sit right at all, but you know, we didn't, we didn't know enough to confidently stay open. You know, at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. as much as I doubted it, I I did, I would never want to put anybody like seriously at risk if it was what they were, you know, they, they were, you know, painting it to be at the time. They were saying that like people were dropping dead in the streets and, and, and it was on everything and everywhere and it was in the air and it was on everything you, you touched and you couldn't be six feet. And, and, you know, so I was like, all right, I guess, you know, I guess we'll shut down. Uh, you know, I don't want to, but whatever. So we shut down, but we kept working, you know, it was a brand new business. We had plenty to do still. And, um, you know, that, that major like red pill moment of COVID was those first couple of days driving down the highway, looking, it, it felt like, like post-apocalyptic. Like I'm driving to work and, you know, I, I live, you know, a couple of minutes right off of a major highway and I would just kind of shoot right down to work. Um, and there's traffic all the time. There's traffic at six in the morning. There's traffic at six at night. You know, it doesn't Jersey. Matter. Yeah, it's Jersey. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like the only car on the whole highway. And I'm like, wow. what? Like, w- this just feels weird, man. Like it doesn't feel okay. And uh, about midway down the highway, you know, there's a giant mall with, you know, with all the big anchor stores and the Walmarts and the this. And it's like, I'd be driving by and all the cars were there, you know, but there were no cars on the road. And then I pull into the little strip mall where Attilus is, where it's all small businesses and there's no cars. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't sit right. Like, you're telling me that that Walmart that is literally filled with people is okay because you guys are making them wait out in line and wear like little cloth things over their face and you're checking their temperature. But like, I can't do the same thing at my gym. Like, you know, I can literally do the same thing. Like, you know, like if, if that's all it takes, you know, cause that's what they were. Okay. Well, Walmart's okay. As long as they, you know, you guys stand six feet apart and you know, you take everybody's temperature and everybody wears masks. So it was like, okay, so why, why can't we do that? Why can't we do that as small businesses? Why can't we do that as churches? Why can't we do that as schools? Um, and then the questions really just kind of started to, to pile up. Like it was just one thing after the next. The the hypocrisy started very early. The double standard started very early. Um, and it just didn't sit right with us. And uh, on day 11, when they passed that that economic stimulus bill to the tune of $2.6 trillion, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was it. You know, we, we were like, nah, like we were supposed to open three days later and you guys just pass a spending bill that gives people money to stay home. You know, a lot of people didn't really look very far into that. Obviously it's a thousand page bill. Nobody ever does, but like beyond the $600 to stay home, 
uh, and beyond other stuff that people knew, like, you know, hospitalized or, or hospitals were being incentivized to, to label things as COVID, the states were actually being um, incentivized to run tests. For every positive test, the federal government was paying for a positive PCR test. Like in New Jersey, it was something like $17,000 per positive test. Incentivizing <laughs> fear. And, and, and again, Knowing, knowing what we know now, and we knew it then, but most people didn't, but like the PCR test is not a diagnostic tool. It's a research tool. It was yeah. never intended to diagnose illness. What, what the PCR test does, you know, and we've heard this story a million times, is it magnifies something. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool for studying. Of course, everything's going to come up positive because you're replicating it. Um, so now you're handing out money with tests that are wildly inaccurate that, that have a tendency to be false positive way more. Of course, everybody's going to start to buy along. You know, of course, your state government's going to fall in line. Of course, your local government's going to fall in line because the cash was flowing. Mm-hmm. And once we saw that stuff, it was like, all right, you know, we thought this was bullshit from the start, but now it's crystal clear. And uh, and we set out. We gave ourselves a couple weeks because um, we wanted to prepare and we wanted to be so bulletproof on what we understood about the virus, what our safety precautions were going to be. Um, that nobody could criticize us for opening. So we, uh, we, we oh, set so the next six weeks, we, we didn't open until two months later. Oh, cool. So I didn't know that part. Um, so before opening, you were like, let's make sure we got all our dots, our eyes dotted and T's crossed Absolutely. so that. Well, we knew, we knew first of all, that we were going to be heavily criticized. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the social temperature at that time was people were still afraid. You know, like you had your early adapters, you know, and I even bought the hype. I wiped my groceries down one time and I was like, all right, this is fucking dumb. Um, But back then, you know, it was still a big portion of people, even your pro-America, pro-liberty people, because nobody knew what the hell was going on. Um, So we said, all right, you know, we're going to we're going to open. We're we're not just going to open to say, like, fuck you. You know, at that point, we I still hadn't come to the realization that, like, hey, these people are assholes and they're just trying to, like, destroy your business. Like. It was like, okay, they've got this wrong and we've got this right. So gotcha. Yeah. We're gonna open. You know, they told us we were gonna open 14 days. 14 days has come and passed, and they have no plan. Here's our plan. Our plan is a 15-point safety protocol that went above and beyond what anybody had to do, whether it was government, whether it was the medical industry, whether it was essential businesses. We researched on PubMed, CDC for what it was worth, WHO, all that. We found everything out that we could. Um, and, and the, the safety protocol was ridiculous. I mean, every single person in the gym had their own spray bottle, um, <laughs> you know, and the rule was, you but, spray- but, but, but you, but you did it, you made it. So that was like, it was so ridiculous. I was like, yeah, if they, like yeah, was, I got we it. had the, we had stickers on the floor, you know, on the open spaces. <laughs> so it was like, Hey, if you're going to use an open space here at the gym, you know, stand on this X. So you know that you're six feet away from the next person. We moved the entire gym around so that. From where you were on the machines or where you were on the platforms and in the weightlifting area, any place you would know that you were six feet away from the next closest thing to you. I mean, mm-hmm. we spent t- like hours and hours doing it. Uh, we brought in new filters uh, in our HVAC system. We brought in uh, UV light uh, air scrubbers that like nobody even knew existed that that filter the air uh, 30,000 30, cubic square feet per minute. Um, and, and have been shown to kill coronaviruses and all that stuff. And we, we said, all right, well, now we're going to open because now we have a plan that's way better than yours, and anybody can use it. You can open your business, you can open your schools, you can open your churches, and you can keep people safe 
uh, without destroying your livelihood, without destroying your morality, or uh, excuse me, your um, your 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 hopes and dreams, um, mm-hmm. and, and your sort of your your mental health and all of these other things, because we were watching the world fall apart around us. We were watching people literally go crazy. People lose their businesses, and it's like this isn't the answer. So, so, so you do all this. You literally created a plan for the state, <laughs> which yeah. I didn't know, and dude. We, we told the government, too. We went to the local municipality. Wow. Uh, and we said, hey, we're going to open next week. And I also went on. I went on. I did media. We went on our Facebook, our Instagram. And that's kind of what, what got the attention of Tucker Carlson was he saw the original nine-minute video where I – I recorded it just like this. I set it up on my phone and uh, I typed out a speech. I probably typed it about 40 times. I don't think I've ever rewritten something as many times. And I told people who we were, what we were going to do, why we wanted to do it, and how we were going to keep people safe. And, uh, outline and, and, so, and, and so with all that, having everything ready, uh, ready to go for any kind of scrutiny, they still came for you. They still came for you. And I remember watching a video Mark. where you went on, you went live or you, you, you posted this video where like, Oh, they just took 120 something thousand dollars from our bank account. Yeah. So tell, yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. what happened there. So, um, it escalated pretty quickly. Um, you know, day one, we opened the gym. There was a couple hundred people out in the parking lot supporting us. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was incredible. I mean, there was probably good anywhere from, you know, 500 to a thousand people there. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. The day uh, we had our members wrapped around the side of the building. Um, We had locked ourselves in overnight because the police were told not to let us in by governor Murphy. Um, And the police were there and they were, they were kind of just like doing crowd control, like just making sure things didn't get out of hand. And then midway through the day, the, uh, the police chief or the police captain at the time came up and there was this like moment of tension. And he was like, you know, you're all here in violation of an executive order. Uh, He said on that note, Everybody be safe and have a nice day. And he walked around. And he, he turned around, and he actually retired um, late, like <laughs> that week, because he was just like, "I'm not doing this." But sure, yeah. And the second lieutenant wow. came back 15 minutes later with our first round of citations. Yeah. Um, and, and then he got promoted to sheriff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just, it just started started to escalate from there. You know, we took our we took our citations. We smiled with them. Gym stays open. See you later. The next day it escalated. They started doing it to not only us, but our members. Um, we said, mm. fuck you, see you later. The gym stays open. Um, day three happens. They set up cameras in the parking lot and they're following people home and pulling them over and giving them citations for being out without permission, uh, violation of an executive order. And again, we had the windows oh covered. So you don't know what was going on in our gym. Like, you know, and, and we have a nutrition store in there. Like, so they were making the assumption just that, hey, if you're here, we're giving you tickets. They arrested somebody on the third day, put them in handcuffs, gave them charges because he wouldn't give them their name. So it just started to escalate. By the end of that week, we had gotten a health department shut down. We just, you know, ignored it, whatever. We kept going. Um, and then on Friday, they came and they they changed the locks to our doors. Um, mm-hmm. In the middle of the night, they just came with a locksmith and just locked us out. So we picked the locks. We went back inside. Um, and just said, fuck you, you know, we're like game and mouse and cat and mouse game, right? Series of escalations and eventually got to the point where, um, they realized like it wasn't going to work, like giving us citations because we were like, all right, cool. We'll deal with it later. You know, like we'll be in court later. Um, the health department shutdown meant nothing. Um, arresting us meant nothing, you know, whatever, fine. You know, people are still showing up and, and, and they were, 
they were losing more ground. And every time they did something, they were either pissing the original people off more or they were pissing more people off. So like every escalation, as long as it was in the public, and that was our plan from the beginning. It was like, hey, I'm I'm all right taking punches, but I'm going to show everybody what a psychopath you are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I have this nice plan. You don't want to talk about it. And all you want to do is punish me. So they got a court order against us. And that's where the real tangible punishments came in. They took that health department shut down. They took the executive order and they took all of our citations and they said, hey, judge, you know, these guys aren't listening. Um, so the judge said, you now have a court order to shut down. And we said, fuck you. No, we don't. Um, and that's where real tangible punishments come in, because now you're in defiance of a court order uh, or you're in contempt, excuse me, of a court order. That's where they started finding us $15,000 per day. So they, they right, came right. up with this random number of $15,497.76 per day for every day that we were in operation. And to put that into perspective, we're gym- not only were we not charging at the time, you know, we didn't charge members when we reopened. We said, hey, just just come in. I, we don't care. <laughs> A whole nother level there. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah, it wasn't about the money. It was, yeah, it was yeah, about at the that money. point. You know, and it was like, hey, yeah. you know, if you want to, you can donate to us. You know, we, we set up a GoFundMe and we said, hey, we're probably going to have some legal fees from this and we still have to stay open. If you want, donate. If not, we don't care. The gym's open regardless. And people were very, very generous to us. Mm-hmm. Um. So they started finding us $15,000 per day in a gym that if we were charging, our, our monthly revenue is about 1,000 members at $30 a month. You're talking $30,000, you know, uh, maybe $10,000 more in, in, other, you know, in other forms of income, apparel and stuff like that. Um, so, so where they got that $15,000, because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, you know, the way the law is written when they talk about uh, like finding a business it's supposed to be, you know, uh, like a like a coercive, like a like a sting, like hey, right, right, like, yeah, slapping hand. It's not hand. supposed to be catastrophic. Yeah, it's not supposed to be like, like I'm going to destroy your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's supposed to make it inconvenient for you not to listen to them, right. not to put you out of business. Um, so those fines started to rack up, and then one day we just came in the gym. Um, you know, we weren't paying them, like like you know whatever, like <laughs> screw you. Sure. Um, again, we didn't really have any money. Any money that we got was almost immediately going to legal fees or we were just paying our bills. Um, and, uh, we came in one morning and and my partner looked at the computer and he turned around and said, they took it. And I was like, what they took? What? And he's like, they took every dollar we have. Uh, and they wound up taking $200,000 in total. They just kind of snapped their fingers, uh, in the middle of ongoing litigation. Like we had like three or four lawsuits open. We had an appeals process already on the fines. And they just came and snatched our money. And that money was earmarked as donations on our GoFundMe, which I, you can still find it. It says this is for the legal defense of Attila Jim Belmar. So they came in and tampered with our ability to defend ourselves. Right. right. Um, but the, uh, the, the part of the story I love to tell when it comes to that, that little part right there, um, another example of how it wouldn't have been possible had it not been for, for everybody. You know, like no matter what happened, whether we got arrested, whatever. You know, people were were supporting in every way they could. And I came on and I did that video and I was like, hey, guys, you know, they took one hundred seventy three thousand dollars from us. They're probably going to take some more. We're dead broke. Um, We don't know what what's next, but we know the gym's open. You know, see you guys here today. See you tomorrow and see you the next day. And that was that was really it. And I was just like, hey, share the story, like make sure people know what's going on. Mm -hmm. People took it upon themselves to start ordering T-shirts and they ordered one hundred thousand dollars of T-shirts by the end of that week. Um, you know, I didn't ask, I didn't be like, Hey guys, help us out. Like, I was just like, Hey, please share the story. 
you know, yeah. like, cause people had already, like they had turned our social media into like a broadcasting network. You know, mm -hmm. I would put out a video and it would get 40,000, 50,000 reshares. Um, you know, so I just said, Hey, the, the, this is, this is the latest update. And, um, and people lost their fucking minds. Um, and it, it was again, to that point where I said they were either pissing people off more or they were pissing more people off. This was an example where like the entire crypto community, you know, they, you know, the crypto people kind of stay themselves. They're into crypto. Um, the, uh, the crypto community heard about it. I guess it was on Twitter or whatever. And somebody had heard about it and, um, and they lost their fucking minds because they were so, this, this is something that was near and dear to them. You know what I mean? Because they, yeah. the, the whole idea of crypto is you don't want people in your money and, and, and in your business and to be yeah. able to control your money. Um, and so it, I, I lost my mind just so I'm in the crypto yeah. space. I'm one of the, I'm one of those crypto people. Yeah, and I, I, I was, was like, this is it. This is why it was. Yeah. It was amazing. Cause it was, it was proof that what they have been saying for so long is exactly right. And, um, but it recruited like a whole new army of people who supported us. <laughs> um, you know, the guys, uh, the guys who run Bitcoin cash, um, uh, God, I, I forget his name. Um, I um, guess the founder, um, Yes, I know who you're talking about. I, I, I completely forget. Sorry. Um, but they started a fundraiser for us. You know, they were like, screw this. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to teach you how to have a crypto wallet, you know, so so that you can stay in business. And, uh, yeah, so it was – and that was the whole story. It was just a series of escalations where, you know, people just kept picking us back up and saying, nope, like, as long as you guys are not willing to quit, we're not going to – we're not going to allow you to get stomped out, like, no matter what would happen. Man, um, I love that you added that little portion there at the end about about crypto coming in and, and taking cool, and like because it was they had nothing to do with our fight. I mean, these were people like you know they they may have seen the story or heard the story and you know whatever. There's there's always so much going on. You can never keep up with everything, you know. But it was it was an entire new facet of people who were like, whoa, like what is going on over there? And then they you know they put their money where their mouth was. Is they and they said, hey, listen, you know this is our hill over here. You know, our mm. hill is, is this, and, and your hill is small business, but guess what? Now it's, now we're on the same hill, you know, because now we see that the stuff they're trying to do to you guys is the same thing that they're trying to do to us. And, and, you know, these are our values and this is what we care most about. But now, now we're under the same umbrella. We're, we're part of the same fight, you know, it, and that's, if that's one thing, I think that the COVID narrative, nonsense over the last two and a half years is I, I think it sort of opened that up for a lot of like smaller communities, you know what I mean? Like mm. where, where the crypto community joined us, you know, but you saw that with like the lockdowns, there was like the people who were against the lockdowns, um, you know, and that was like a certain group and, you know, and it, it was growing and growing and growing. And then all of a sudden when vaccine mandates came, all these other people <laughs> came into the fold and what it did, especially, you know, it was like, the vaccine mandates like destroyed that like racial barrier that was going on where it was like most anti-lockdown people tended to be like, you know, uh, like suburbia, whatever, you know, kind of like different, different culture. And then you bring in, you bring in the, like the inner city culture, which these people remember the Tuskegee mm. experiments. These people remember government forcing mandates and doing like medical procedures on them that they didn't have any say in. Um, you know, so every time that narrative kind of expanded, it brought more people into the fold. And I think now you have a lot of people who are, 
uh, of all walks of life who are now saying, you know what, maybe that guy's not the enemy. Maybe it's maybe it's these guys. Um, so I think that that's probably one of the best takeaways of all this is you saw so many examples of that. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that, um, and I've and I've I've said this for a while that I think true decentralization or, or true taking back of our power is going to be at the local and private levels. Like, so we have to start creating our local communities, and it can be global, local. Like, it can be an ideology or, or you know a, a specific goal that brings you together. But localize it. The more we localize and organize, the more strength we're going to have in the numbers. Um, this is great. I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on blockchain and crypto? But I feel like I already know. <laughs> tell me, tell me what your thoughts are in the space in you general, know, like I, the direction um, of it. So I'm somebody who's still definitely learning. You know, I, I, I've, um, I have a good understanding of it and I have a good sense of, of, of what it can be used for if it's in the right hands. Mm-hmm. You know, my biggest fear is that it, just like all good technology, you know, social media is a great technology too. Um, and my space didn't start out as like a big evil you know, big tech company, uh, you know, but here we are with, you know, you see like what's going on with Twitter files and all this stuff, you know, which mm-hmm. everybody knew, but n- no surprise. Yeah. Um, but I love the technology. We just need to make sure that it doesn't wind up in the wrong hands and that it stays as a tool for individual liberty and freedom because, you know, the individual can be incredibly empowered by blockchain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of uses for it. Like one of the one of the uses I'm interested in is in our voting system to make sure that we actually have a legitimate voting system that can't be tampered with. And if you use a technology like blockchain, um, there's no, there's no tampering with it. Um, and, and, and maybe there is, but I'm sure there's probably fingerprints all over it when, when, if, and when that's possible. Um, you know, so I, I love it. I just, I don't have the answer as to how we make sure that we don't wind up with like a digital dollar, uh, you know, backed by the, uh, you know, Uh, I would, yeah, like yeah, CBDCs. You mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would argue this that that it's ha- it, it's going to happen, and it's an inevitability for 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 those systems to incorporate blockchain into their old traditional mindsets and systems. That is an inev- inevitability. It's going to happen. The I question agree. is individually, us here watching, and me and you individually, are we aware enough to educate ourselves and then to create a path of choice so that we're not stuck? in their systems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, What I think will happen overnight. So I say that again. Yeah. We have to provide ourselves with an alternative. Yeah. Because they're not going to. That's, that's the problem is, you know, if, if there's nobody who cares about like free crypto, like good crypto, um, then we'll wind up, you know, being taken over in, in the same way and manipulated and controlled in the same way as they've used. I mean, pretty much every technology. I mean, they, they use big pharma, you know, um, Pharmaceuticals didn't start out with the intent to harm people, um, you know, but the right, the, the wrong people get into it and all of a sudden it becomes a form of control. It becomes a form of, of just generating insane amounts of revenue. It's, it's lost the, the original purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, I don't, I think crypto is something really important that we can't allow that to happen because that's, that's a, um, if it does, we're, we're, we're up shit's Creek. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, their plans are, are are exactly that though. It's like programmable money. They want to know exactly what you're doing, and you know everybody's like, like cheering on Elon Musk with everything that's happening with the Twitter files. But like he wants, tra- like he's for transhumanism. Uh, his Neuralink is about to come out at, in six months, which another study came out that it can be used for blockchain mining 
So imagine having like thought, a proof of thought. I know I'm telling you, man, like all this stuff is like, oh, okay. You guys can go ahead and keep doing that. I'm going to go do this other thing over here. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's that, that's scary how quickly people will jump to the next superhero. You know what I mean? Mm. Like America has a savior complex um, and Ooh. we desperately need to get rid of it um, because we're always looking to like the next big person who's going to, and it happened with Trump, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Trump guy, you know, at the end of the day, I've had my criticisms of him, um, you know, but I liked, I liked the direction we were going under Trump. That's for sure. Um, you know, but people, people sat around and waited for something magical to happen for the past, you know, the past couple of years where Trump was going to come back and Trump was going to do this. And Trump was going to do that. And it's like, they all turn out to be big goose eggs. And it's, and it's, the reality is, is Trump's only one guy, you know, and whether, whether he's, whether he's your knight in shining armor or he's the devil, whatever it is, I don't really give a shit what you think. It, we're always looking for somebody to save us. Yeah. You know, somebody, we're, if, if we're not looking for Trump to save us, we're looking for somebody to save us from Trump. You know what I mean? And it's like, then it's Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk is going to save free speech. No, you know what saves free speech? Not shutting the fuck up, not self-censoring. You know what I mean? Like free speech, we've given our free speech away. You know how many people I talked to in the past year, two years, almost three years now, that have been like, yo, man, I really agree with you. You know, I just I just don't talk about it a lot because my job or because this or because that. It's like, well, like, what are you what are you talking about shadow banning? Like, you're, why are you worried about shadow banning? Like, you do it to yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> the political correctness. We, we've destroyed free speech enough yeah. ourselves yeah. that we can't turn around and point the finger at, at, at big tech because most of us, you know, we're too afraid to have the conversation at the dinner table with our own family. Um, and teach it to our own children. You know, we, so I'm not a, I'm not a big Elon Musk guy either. Um, because the, he's just another, they're going to push that same idea. You know, that digital dollar scares the crap out of me. You know, I'm looking over at China right now and I just recently saw the, the, uh, the money that expires. Ah, yes. That, I mean, that is something I like when I saw that, I was like, Whoa, like that's, so you can't even save your money. Like yeah. we want to talk about lifelong slavery. Yeah. Like that, that is a scary notion. Like your dollars expire if you don't spend them all. You know what I mean? Like you are, you are now, like if you ever find yourself in that position, you are, you are helpless. There is nothing you can do without the permission of the people who give you those dollars and who control those, you know, those buttons behind the screen. Um, you know, so it, it's important that as individuals, we realize the, the the power of our collective efforts to to fight, you know, um, and I use that term loosely, um, to fight back um, and to really kind of strive to be fiercely independent and and self sufficient and and not depend on these superheroes to come save us, you know, it, it, because they're always going to sell you down the river sooner or later, you know, that's human nature. Yeah, the no. theme that I would say for these last couple of years is take back your power. <laughs> Whatever yeah, just, that means, there's many levels of it, but take it all back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've slipped into this learned state of helplessness where, like, right. you know, people are so disconnected from, like, just taking care of themselves. You know, Victimhood, like your food is almost, too. Your, yeah, your food is prepared for you. Like, this is prepared for you. Your stuff is delivered to your door. You know, life is just... 
everything so convenient that you've lost the ability to like mow your own grass, um, you know, or, and I, I say this to a lot of people, you know, I, I talk a lot about just being prepared for the worst, you know, people call me a doomsday, but whatever. Um, you know, I was talking to this one guy and I said like, you know, what he was, he was commenting on one of my Instagrams, you know, about all the, the beef I have and all the, all the, all the stuff. Cause I'll show it off once in a while and say, Hey, listen, this is what I did to get ready. And he's like, Oh, I got guns. I'm like, okay. Like, what's that mean? And he's like, I'll just go hunt. I'm like, okay. I'm like, have you ever hunted before? He's like, nah, but it can't be that hard. I'm like, all right. So say, say you do hit something. Have you ever gutted an animal before? Because if you haven't, you're, I'm telling you, you're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin your kill. You know what I've I mean? Done, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. Wow. That's, that's, and, and that's, and, 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 when even when I said that, I realized that I didn't know how to do that either, you know, mm-hmm. and that I should probably learn. But it's and, and not everybody has to learn to go hunt. That's not the, the point of the story is that, like, we don't even know how to. And another example, you know, uh, um, my family started growing, growing a garden this year. You know, I'm, I'm glad we started because we made all the mistakes. We made every mistake there was to make. We killed tons of plants. Like, God forbid, like, thankfully, we, we didn't start our garden when we, like, really needed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we we didn't know these things. And, and we, we, we've gotten into a state of learned helplessness where, you know, we don't even know how to take care of ourselves. People run to get a vaccine to protect themselves. Like, how about you just work out and, you know, maybe eat some good food, uh, get some sunshine, learn about your body a little bit, instead of just like, Oh, you know, protect me from this. Um, the individual has to be re-empowered. You know, we have, it's to like, get- um, it's like that, the, it's the difference between the embodier, the person that embodies it, and then the person that just learns it and then regurgitates it. It's like, yeah. oh, you, you just learned it here, and now you're just speaking as though you know what you're talking about, but you've never actually done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and as a whole, as, you know, as society as a whole, we've just become yeah. very helpless, and, and yeah. we're always looking to government to solve our problems now. Like, that is not what this country was founded on. Um, you know, the men and the women, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're like a first generation or your family has been here forever. Um, I don't care if you come from Asia, South America, when you came to this country, the people that came before you were rugged as hell, whether it was the people coming over on wooden ships, whether it was the slaves who fought for freedom, whether it was the, you know, the Asians who, who were oppressed in some other way. You know, whether it was the people forging their way across the country through wilderness, like these people bet heavily on themselves. They were they they wanted freedom so badly and they wanted to live their own lives so badly that they were willing to risk death, anything to make sure that they were able to provide something for their family that was meaningful, you know, and and they they often did it with nothing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the first settlers came over here in wooden ships. The first thing they have to do is find something to eat and build themselves a house. You know, after they just they just charted the the Atlantic Ocean, you know, in a wooden boat. Um, you know, and we can't even provide for ourselves on the most basic level. We can't even take care of our bodies and our minds. Um, you know, without relying on on some somebody or something telling us what to do or how to do it. And um, it's now it's you know the answers we get are never the good ones. It's always you know, just give us a little bit more power here at the government. You know what I mean? Like, let us protect you. You know, it's okay. Um, you know, give We're us, the government. Give us We're here to help. <laughs> yeah, give us your children. We'll teach them. You don't need to. Both of you go to work. You know, man and woman, both of you go to work because life's so expensive now. And, and nobody knows how to balance a budget, right? You know, because mm. you, know, you, you can talk about 
oh, you want, you know, the, the increase of price. But, you know, I know a lot of people who have single income households who don't make a lot of money, who value the importance of a parent being in the home at all times versus, you know, having a babysitter and just leaving public school to raise their children. Um, and that's, that's helplessness. We've learned that, you know, we've, we've, all of the things that we suffer from are at least partially our fault. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, you know, it's a great perspective of, of what's happening now and, and taking back our power and not being dependent. It's like, this is literally a war on dependency. Uh, the more dependent you are, the more controlled you will be. (laughs) Basically, That's absolutely it. You know, and I, I noticed that whole, that, that idea can be applied to anything, you know, to anybody's life, you know, and there's also, there's, we all have something that we can improve in that category, you know, but I realized that, you know, when, when we opened the gym and I was thrown into the spotlight, you know, I'd be, I got propped up as a leader, you know, and I didn't even know what it meant to be a leader, you know, to be honest, I was just opening my gym, you know, but people would come to us with all these different problems and questions and stuff like that. And I, I, I wanted to help people as badly as I, as I could, because people were so helpful to us, you know, and I would hear these stories, you know, where, where people would be in these situations where like the vaccine mandate was one of them. Right. And it's like once upon a time in, in America, small business made up the bulk of people's incomes, you know, like more mm-hmm. people were small business owners than they were employees. And now we're in a place where 95% of people are employees. Um, wow. And they were, you know, that, that's a scary statistic. And it was almost flip-flopped. I don't, I think it was like 80, 20 uh, at the peak in, of, of small business and entrepreneurship, but people made their own money. You know what I mean? They were yeah. responsible for, 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 for providing their own paycheck. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem harmless, you know, but when you got a mortgage and you got a wife and kids um, and, and, you know, you're, you're, you're extended financially as far as you can go. And then somebody says, hey, take this vaccine. You're powerless, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't you've spent your life working for somebody else and you don't have the ability to walk away, especially when all the other businesses are doing it, too. You know, so I was like, man, like I and I felt very fortunate in that moment. Like, even though my small business was under attack, I was like, I'm very thankful that I'm not in that position. You know, the position that I might uh, that I'm in isn't great either. But like, I'm thankful that I don't I I never had to weigh the measure of taking a vaccine. Like, I never I never felt that pressure that a lot of people did. You know what I mean? You know, and some people just want to take it, whatever. That's fine. Cool. Good for you. They wanted to travel. They wanted life to go back to normal. You know, but there are a lot of people who took it who felt truly powerless and who were, you know what I mean? And that's that, that type of just setup in general, whether it's with your finances, whether it's with your health um, or, or any aspect of your life, you know, that's not a permanent thing. You know, you can make small changes to do that. You can start a side hustle. You can look for other sources of income. You can launch your own business. Um, You know, you can, you can invest your money. You can be smarter with your purchases like you don't maybe you don't need two cars for your family maybe one car is okay you know is that as convenient as as you know you riding to work on on your your own versus maybe your wife dropping you off and picking you up at work no but if it means that you don't have to make certain allowances and that you don't have to make certain sacrifices like like you can tell your boss to go fuck off you know when the vaccine mandate came around because you're financially secure you realize like wow that's that's a that's a really good feeling, just being able to say no and, and, and not having somebody kind of grab you by the balls. And 
unfortunately, as Americans, we are we are more in that position than we are not. You know, and, and you know, it's I, funny. I, I I agree with you 100 percent. And I would say this is just based on my own experience with my students that have come to me and wanting to learn more about uh, making money online and in the crypto space. Uh, the, the ones that the ones that uh, did feel the pressure and that they made the decision to quit. Those are the ones that are now pursuing the education that those are the ones that are now like, well, that woke me up. <laughs> I guess now there's I got to do this. A lot of people that folded. And then there's a yeah. lot of people who did make that leap of faith. And I, I'm sure you probably agree. But, you know, I know a lot of people who said, you know what, screw you. You got me by the balls, but I, I at least believe in myself to make this work. And I'm not yeah. sure how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm not going to do that. Um, most of the people who I know who did that are in a better position than, than they were then today. Um, 100 like, million percent. Laterally across the board. I'm sure there might be one or two where things didn't quite work out, but that doesn't mean it didn't work out at all. It just didn't work out yet. You know, I know a lot of people who quit their jobs and started their own businesses. I know a lot of people who quit their jobs, tightened up the hell out of their budget and rode the wave and got their job back and, and came back at higher pay. You know, so it was like, and it, they didn't take the job, right? Yeah. Where, like I said, like we came from rugged people. We came from people who believed in themselves that were willing to bite the bullet and do hard things and make hard choices to stand up for what they believed in and to and to to not sort of bend the knee and to not allow people to push them around and 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 make them make choices that they don't want to make. You know, if we start to embody that spirit again as Americans, and you have to start small. You know what I mean? You, you're before you learn to roar as a lion. You got to, you know, you got to, you, you just got to figure some small steps out first. You know, you're not going to be able to, to walk into your job tomorrow and say like, "Fuck you, I don't need this." You know, but you can start making some steps where you get more prepared. You know, you, you invest in the cryptocurrencies, whatever it is that you want to do. Start a small business, uh, sell stuff on Facebook. And I, I know people who make money doing that. It's crazy, um, but. Those little steps are going to put you in a better position to where if that choice comes again, or I should say when that choice comes again, because yeah. you'll always be pressured. The world is going right. to pressure you to do stuff, whether it's with your job or otherwise. You're just going to be in a better position to say, no, thanks. I'm good um, because I have my life under my I have a, more of my life under control than I need to to be able to say, I don't need what you're what you're offering me. You know, I, I don't need whatever whatever carrot you're dangling in front of my face. Love this. Love this conversation. But um, I know you have to go. Um, I have one last question. And before I ask that, thank you, Ian. Thank you so much. Um, where can they find you? They can find you on Instagram, right? Ian Smith Fitness yep. on Instagram. Ian Smith, Ian Smith Fitness on Instagram. Ian Smith Fitness Backup on Instagram. Um, they're all there. In my uh, in my bio is my link tree that's got all my links to everything else, Telegram stuff like that. Uh, links to the book, which is Find Your Hill. I am yes, pre-order, pre-order the Find Your Hill book. I'm excited yes, about that one. I, I definitely driving read myself crazy, um, writing and rewriting it. Um, but I'm 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 on the last two chapters, and I, I don't think I'm going to rewrite it again. So it should be at the publisher <laughs> probably by the end of the week. Um, and then all the pre-orders, I'm going to be signing them and sending them out as soon as they're ready. Awesome. I'm excited about that. That's um, it's going to be a good read because I, after doing this interview and I'm like, I'm definitely going to have to read his book <laughs> just yeah. to see what he has to say. It's, um, it's thank you. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm actually thinking about myself writing a book one day and, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you questions offline here, but um, yeah, sure. yeah, I'm sure that that's a, a, a very 
long journey to do that. Um, well, thank you, Ian. I really appreciate it. One last question here. Sure. You have a few minutes to speak to millions of people. What do you leave them with? That's an easy one. Um, you know, I say this in my, in my speeches all the time. Um, if you would have asked me three years ago, if I could have the impact on the world that I had, I would have laughed at you and I would have said the same thing that most people would say. I'm just one person. Um, and I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what's important to you. You know, whatever, whatever it is, um, you can have a tremendous impact on the world around you and on people around you. Um, three years ago, I was an obscure gym owner in a, in a corner of South Jersey, um, and over the course of three years, I've, I've been able uh, to inspire hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the United States and around the world um, just by doing what I, what, what I felt was right and believing in what I was doing and, and sort of following it through. Um, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's going to be inspired by you. You never know who is like this close to taking action in their lives and all they needed to do was see somebody else do something courageous and brave or out of the ordinary and above average. Um, you know, it doesn't always, it, that, that doesn't have to be like a political thing. Like it was for me, it can be as simple as like taking control of your body or taking control of your finances or whatever it is. Um, whatever, whatever you're passionate about, and whatever you care about and share it with the world, you know, inspire others because that's how these things change. Um, there's like a spider web effect, you know, I, and I, Stupid example, but, you know, I used to, I've been banned from seven airlines. And during all of this, I used to walk through the airport and ride the plane without a mask. And it was, it was a nightmare to do, um, you know, but I drew that hard line and I used to walk through the airport and I would see people look at me and take their mask off. Um, and that's, that's like a super stupid example, but you don't know who's watching. Um, so make sure that you're always doing the right thing because there's always somebody who's going to be inspired by what you do. And if you want to change the world, it does start with the individual. Um, don't ever doubt the power that you have. It is far greater than you'll ever imagine. You know, I, I look back three years from where I'm at and I've spoken in front of crowds of 100,000 people or more, you know, in Washington, D.C. And I've. I've met people from all over um, and I hear it all the time. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you did. You got me through a dark time. You know, I used to, I used to follow you every day and, 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 you know, during COVID it was really rough and I had all these negative thoughts and, you know, I've just been told that I've helped so many people and I didn't even set out to help other people. You know, we were, we were doing what we knew was right, regardless of anything else. We didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't know how big it was. But we just knew that what was happening to us and our friends was not okay, you know, in our, our local small businesses in South Jersey. And we never thought that we would have the impact that we that we ultimately had. Um, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing uniquely special about me. There's no characteristic that I have uh, that nobody else has. That's like this secret. Um, we all have that within us. You know, I'm, I'm just a regular guy who, who stood up for I was pushed to a point where I had to make a hard choice and it was a scary choice and I had to go through some punishment, but in the end of it, my life has been infinitely better as a result of it. Uh, and the impact that I've had is something that I'm very proud of. Well, I just want to say, uh, leaders don't choose to be leaders. They're just, they're just, they're just, they're just doers. They're just become the leaders. So thank you it's for being true. that. It's yeah. true. 
Thank you, Ian. This was great. I love this conversation. Everyone out there, make sure you follow Ian on Instagram and follow along with everything that he's doing and working towards. Uh, and make sure you pre-order that book, Find Your Hill. There's a lot find of information there about, about you and about your life and everything that you've gone through and, and, and find your, finding your hill, right? Finding the thing, the hill to die on. I'm, I'm assuming that's, the, that's what that means, right? Yeah, finding, finding what's most important to you. You know, every, everybody's go. got one. You know, it's just a matter of, uh, of finding what it is and then getting up there and making a change in the world. You know, you're not a... You're not a leaf in the wind. You're a force to be reckoned with. You're an incredible human being. So go out there and, and find your hill. Yeah, there it is. Love that. Well, thank you so much. And always remember, gamify your abundance. Thank you, guys.